and welcome back to The Happy Hearth, a half-hour weekly podcast with me, Heather Conda, to share what has made me and others happy and to shout out some of the happier things in the news. It's episode five. And hello to any new listeners that may be out there. Apparently, there are some of you from Canada, which is very exciting. I have a few Canadian friends from my master's degree and I love them a lot. But anyway, nice of anyone new to join and I hope all of you listening have had a very good week. Thank you so much to everyone who's got in touch. I feel like this has been a particularly happy week, you know, recently. Obviously, there's lots of less happy things still going on and it's really difficult. But I've received loads of really brilliant news And I myself have had a very busy week, which has been really nice. Also, there are some hopeful things going on in the news, which I'm looking forward to sharing. So go and grab a cuppa if you haven't got one already, or maybe something more summery, like an ice cream, or who even knows, maybe even a pins. And enjoy. There were quite a few things I could have chosen for my top three this week. But the first thing in my top three which I want to talk about is driving. You might think, driving? Well, that's a bit mundane. But last week, I got back behind the wheel for the first time since passing my test nearly four years ago. Four years. It's been that long since I've driven the car. After passing my test, I then went straight to uni and I didn't really need a car because it was so small and easy to get around and most people cycled everywhere, as I mentioned. And then when I went to Glasgow to do my master's, it was far too big and scary for me to be driving around there. So I mostly walked and used the subway. So it's been four years and I still haven't been behind the wheel. But because I'm back home and craving a little more independence, I decided I needed to bite the bullet and I put myself on the car insurance. And last week, I ventured out for the first time. Obviously, I was supervised by my dad and it was very safe. But I was frankly terrified. I thought I would have forgotten everything. I still think I only passed my test because I got on the good side of the examiner. I took my test around Oxford, which for anyone who doesn't know the roads around Oxford, There are some horrible, horrible roundabouts. The pass rate in Oxford is lower than the surrounding areas and it's often really busy. But I remember my test really well. It started with this awful sinking feeling when about five minutes in, I was asked to reverse around a corner. But did it, got through it. And then I got into my stride a little and started talking to the examiner to put myself at ease because as you've probably gathered... I love to chat when I'm nervous. I just hate silence. Anyway, before long, we were bonding and I was talking to the driving instructor about dogs. Pretty safe topic. She also had a dog and we laughed about both of our dogs' mutual dislike of water and we discussed different methods of training them and places to take them. So I think I got on her good side because at the end of the test, having just navigated the infamous Headington roundabout, She said I'd passed and she also gave me the contact details for a dog trainer that she recommended. So it all ended well. But until now, 
That was the last time I had driven in a car. So I was pretty nervous when I went out with my dad last week. I have to go out with my dad because mum just grabs the side of the car and forgets to breathe. She frequently raises her voice whenever I'm in a car with her and she literally fears for her life around every bend. It's just not worth the stress for both of us. But apart from when I'm with my mum, I'd forgotten that driving's actually quite enjoyable. And I can't wait to get out a bit more and build up confidence and start getting out and about by myself. And it's also really nice to feel like I have a bit more independence back and I can just more frequently venture out of the house to do some jobs. I really haven't been going out very much at all since some of the measures were lifted. And I think I'm slowly going a little bit mad. The other day, the plumber came because we had a leak. And without thinking, just because clearly I miss people, I was like, oh, so nice to see you. And he was like, she's really weird. Um, But yeah, it's nice to have a bit more freedom and I'm loving driving again. And then the second thing in my top three is a really lovely story. And it gave me a very fun afternoon with my sister one day last week. It's about neighbourly camaraderie. And I've read some really heartwarming stories of neighbourly efforts to raise spirits and to help the community in this time. And this week, I discovered that some lovely efforts have been made around my village. So I went to the village shop to post a letter and saw on top of the notice board a pebble saying thank you. Underneath, people had put little thank you poems and notes to the shop owner. I particularly enjoyed the note which said, Thank you for selling wine and rum and gin. Essential when you're stuck with kin. Who knew the village shop was so well stocked? Anyway, one of the notes also said, thank you for the pebbles. Which slightly intrigued me and it transpired that some good soul has painted lots of beautiful pebbles with different animals on and hidden them around the village as a sort of treasure hunt. The pebbles are all hidden in stone walls. And so last week, my sister and I went on a long dog walk trying to trace them all down. And we found penguin pebbles, parrots, elephants, you name it. And it really wasn't that easy, you know. On the walk, we also saw three other families doing exactly the same. And they were walking exceptionally slowly down the road. We must have all looked really weird for cars passing through the village, kind of hobbling around looking for these pebbles. Although frustratingly we only found 19 pebbles. 19. Surely we've missed one. Because who would hide 19 pebbles? There just has to be 20. 20 seems like a good number. Unless maybe they have a sense of humour and only hid 19 so that the whole of the village are looking for number 20 for many months to come to occupy themselves. In which case, very clever. But it was a really sweet gesture and made for a fun afternoon. And we even found one right outside our house, literally outside our house. And I've never noticed it before. And it could have been there for ages for all I know. So I just thought that was a really lovely idea someone had and it brightened up my day. And I've heard lots of other similar things happening nearby as well. Local heroes, we could call them. They've created food banks, scarecrow competitions and things like fairy door trails, to name just a few of the many things that I think have been going on. So I think if we can take a small positive of this time, 
It's that in a crisis, people will often come together, which is a really lovely thing. And then the third thing in my top three for this week is that recently we decided to get a few recipe boxes delivered. So there are various companies which allow you to order a specific recipe box and then all the fresh ingredients get delivered to your door for you to cook up a storm. The recipes are often a little more adventurous. So it feels like more of an occasion and like something you might choose to eat at a restaurant, for example. Also, it's just quite fun to try new things rather than just sticking to the Conda classics. We just love a good fish pie or risotto in my house. Anyway, last week I helped to choose the recipes and I went for some pretty intriguing choices. So one night we had a very interesting take on fish and chips. And then the next night we had a Vietnamese tempeh noodle dish. I won't lie, I hadn't actually heard of tempeh. I'm not even sure if that's how you say it. It could be tempeh. Tempeh. Anyway, (laughs) that one. But I'm quite a keen vegetarian, really. And if I'm cooking for myself, I'm veggie or pesky all the way. I am a pesky gal. But my mum was raised on a pig farm. So that kind of speaks for itself. And it's safe to say that my parents had no idea what tempeh was. So they were very game when I said that I'd ordered it and they were intrigued and thought, oh, this is exciting, something we'd never really cook. However, sadly, it didn't go down so well when mum discovered that I was essentially cooking a block of fermented soybeans. I think she'd been expecting something a little more meaty. And to be honest, it did just look a bit like a knobbly white block. But once it was cooked, I personally thought it was delicious. We coated it in this maple syrup and peanut butter sauce and it was really yummy. And throughout the meal, to be fair, mum and dad were like, oh, well, it's certainly different and we wouldn't cook this, would we? So I suppose that's the whole point. How interesting. Mm." So they just kept going on with all these comments, which was very, you know, sweet of them to try and be invested But then the next day, they showed their true colours because they were like, well, no one liked that meal, Heather. No one liked it. No one liked it. I did, but it made me laugh. And aside from the tempeh, we've been enjoying a few weeks of occasionally cooking up an unusual recipe and just spending more time in the kitchen because there's not lots to spice up our lives at the moment. So why not get a few interesting recipes? So those are my top three for this week, driving around, treasure hunts and cooking up a storm. Stories from others. Okay, brace yourselves because the stories this week are particularly brilliant. They are some of my faves and I'm afraid you're graced with just me this week and you're just going to hear my voice because... There are some fab stories to tell and I want to tell them in detail, so I'm saving my next guest for next week. The first story is just frankly wonderful and is from Chris. Chris has been living with his boyfriend Tom since March 2018 and it's been a bad year all in all, so they needed something good to happen. And Tom arranged a birthday party for his 27th and invited a few friends to come along to their rooftop garden in Holloway 
and he also invited his sister who had just finished uni. So it was going to be a nice party just for something to look forward to and celebrate. His birthday was on Saturday 4th of July and Tom was stressing all day. His friends were coming at 6 o'clock and so he had Chris running around buying decorations and balloons and for some reason he was adamant, absolutely adamant, that Chris bought a congratulations balloon. So they spent all day preparing but by 6 o'clock everything was ready for the guests to arrive. So at 6 the guests all arrive and people are enjoying catching up and then they're having a lovely time. But partway through the night, Tom then stops the party to make a speech and he calls Chris over. Then everyone on the roof starts getting their cameras out, knowing what's about to happen. And you've probably guessed it, but Tom pulls out an engagement ring and pops the question. Ah! And they'd chosen the rings together in lockdown whilst thinking about their future. And he pulled out the chosen one. And of course, Chris said yes. And then all of these decorations came out of nowhere. And they were played a special video of congrats from anyone who couldn't be there due to COVID. And it turns out this plan had been three months in the making. And Chris had no idea and was positively beaming with happiness and love. And when he messaged me the story, it was just the best thing to read. I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. And he also said that the relationship was initially just intended to be a bit of a summer fling. They met each other on the entertainment team for a job in Greece in August 2017. And now three years on, they're engaged. So it shows how much your life can change and you never know what's coming. And it's also made a bad year amazing. So I'm so pleased for you both. A huge congratulations. And there's also been more happy news this week. So the next story is from Georgie and Dylan. And they're both currently living in London, but they have just finished their BA in musical theatre at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, which is where I also went and loved it. Oh, RCS. But they did their final term online, including creating the most amazing online actor muso version of Stephen Schwartz's The Baker's Wife which I'm in admiration of. Imagine creating a complex musical all online with harmonies and everything. Not only that, then adding instruments into the mix. What a feat. How difficult. How amazing. But they did an incredible performance to end their studies and it was their graduation at the beginning of July. Sadly, it was a virtual graduation as most are this year. So they couldn't process in their gowns and collect their certificates. And in Glasgow, there are also bagpipes, normally, of course, to add to the occasion. However, this did not stop Georgie and Dylan from having their own ceremony. So what they did was they cut up some old purple sheets. And purple is the RCS colour. And they put a gold trim around them and they made them look like gowns. Honestly, they look like gowns. And then they got dressed up to the nines. Georgie had the most gorgeous dress on. She looked beautiful. And Dylan had a very dapper suit. And then they proceeded to process around London in their makeshift gowns. They took photos in front of famous monuments and then pedestrians clapped as they walked down the Thames. And they said it was an amazing feeling. Go, you guys. 
what a way to nail graduation in these times. And all of the congratulations is completely deserved. Huge congrats to both of you and also to everyone else graduating at the moment. Class of 2020, I salute you. So as far as good news goes, I think an engagement and a graduation are two pretty amazing life-defining moments. So thank you so much for sharing. Stories don't get much better than that. I do actually have a third story, but it seems much less exciting in comparison. But nevertheless, life is about the big and the small things. So the third thing is from my grandpa, who has just discovered what a podcast is and has worked out how to play it on his iPad. He is also thrilled at his mention in episode two. And uh, also, it was really funny because the other day, he couldn't stop it from playing. So he just had my voice on repeat incessantly. And he rang up my mum in complete distress. And he was like, I can't get her to stop. She won't shut up. What do I do? And um, mum talked him through so many options for so long, but it didn't work. So he just had to listen to my voice. And it turns out that rather than turning me off, he somehow managed to reduce my speed. So he changed the speech from 100% speed to 50%. So I'm talking like this. And I think I must sound high or something. Hello. My friend Harry also said he'd done this just, just for fun. And he said it was hilarious. So if you want something to brighten up your day or give you a laugh, why not try altering the speed of the podcast to just 50%? See what it sounds like. That was a bit of a digression, but uh, yes, my grandpa now knows how to listen to this. And generally, the stories from others have been great this week. So congratulations all round. Stories from the news. So the stories I've chosen to talk about this week from the news are quite varied and there was quite a lot to choose from actually. But I want to chat about the more quirky and lesser known things because you might not have heard of them and why not? So the first thing that I want to talk about is the 10-year-old boy who has become famous all across the globe for his wonderful doodles. Joe Whale, a 10-year-old from Shrewsbury, used to get in trouble for doodling in class, particularly all over his school maths book. But despite getting told off, his drawings actually impressed his teacher. So he shared photos of his sketches on Instagram and they gained a lot of traction. So much so that he recently flew to the States to illustrate a set for a TV show in LA. And at the end of June, he signed a deal with a US publisher to illustrate a children's book series. His drawings are mostly of things like monsters and aliens, and he's so talented. When I saw them, I couldn't believe he was only 10. And who would have thought that something which initially just got him detentions has now got him fame and opened up so many incredible artistic opportunities? Throughout lockdown, Joe has also created a YouTube channel to teach people how to doodle. He's called The Doodle Boy, if you want to look him up, and his drawings are amazing. I watched the time lapse of him doodling all over his wall and I only wished my parents trusted me enough to do that when I was younger. But I know Joe's doodles, to be fair, are far, far superior to anything I could ever achieve. They're actually so good 
that he's also been asked to doodle all over the wall of a restaurant in his hometown in Shrewsbury. So there's literally no stopping Joe. The sky's the limit. Or the ceiling, in this case. Oh wow, that was actually a terrible joke. I'm so sorry. How embarrassing. Anyway, moving on. It looks like a lot of people have been occupying themselves with learning how to doodle over the past few months. But another brilliant thing that people have been doing is learning a musical instrument. And I was so thrilled to read this news. New research from the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra suggests that more than a third of children have started learning an instrument. And of those children who already play an instrument, two thirds have felt more enthused about practising during lockdown. And this is brilliant because creating music is directly linked to well-being and it helps concentration and gives children something else to focus on. And studies also show that it reduces the level of cortisol in your body, which is the stress hormone. And I'm obviously a huge advocate in music making. I mean, I kind of have to be. I did do a music degree and also teach music, so it'd be very worrying if I wasn't. But it's so wonderful to read that it's providing so much pleasure at the moment. And in London, the statistics show that 56% of all children living in London are learning an instrument, which I think is brilliant and a really good way to channel energy at this time and to take mind off the current world and to find enjoyment. We actually have quite a few instruments in my family home, but sadly, this period has not encouraged my dad to get his violin back out. I really don't know where I get my love of music from because I'm not going to lie. It took my dad a long time to get his mock grade one exam out of the way in his 20s. And I don't think he actually ever took grade one. He's probably about grade three at the moment. He probably wouldn't want me to, to down his ability. And he might not be pleased that I'm talking about it either. But he hasn't played a huge amount in a while. And... I think, you know, he could use this time to get the violin back out and rediscover that flair that just must be hiding somewhere. Because many other people are doing that. Many other people are getting their instruments out and I'm sure some of you listening are as well. And then the next news I want to talk about concerns NASA. NASA have announced that the agency's headquarters building in Washington, D.C. will be renamed after Mary W. Jackson who was the first African-American female engineer at NASA in 1958. She broke racial and gender barriers to help US astronauts into space, and NASA have said that they will continue to recognise the contributions of women, African-Americans and people of all backgrounds who have made NASA's successful history of exploration possible. Jackson spent 20 years as a fully-fledged NASA space engineer and helped with so many developments, changing the status quo, opening up opportunities, and witnessing so many advances in space, even including the installation of NASA's first space toilet in 1973. And this leads me on very nicely, what a seg, into the next piece of NASA-related news, which really made me smile and definitely fits into the more quirky category this week. But NASA have recently announced a Lunar Lou Challenge. Because NASA is preparing at the moment for humans' return to the moon, which they're hoping will happen by 2024. And they are offering a $35,000 prize for anyone who can manufacture a compact toilet 
that can operate in both microgravity and lunar gravity. Although space toilets have been in use since 1973, as I mentioned, they're designed for microgravity only, and so NASA are now looking for a next-generation device. To be honest, NASA haven't changed much about how astronauts relieve themselves since the first toilets many decades ago. So you never know, this could potentially be a fun, very difficult challenge for any incredible, inspiring engineers out there. So there we have it. I feel like there were lots of happy things this week and hopefully that myriad of news has helped put a smile on your face or maybe it's just inspired you to do more cooking, doodling or music practice. Probably hasn't encouraged you to cook tempeh though, has it? Although definitely give it a go. I am all for advocating vegetarian eating and it's always great to try new things. But in the meantime, please do send me in your happy news even if it's not as life-changing as an engagement or a graduation I just love to hear even the smallest things they're just as important and I would love to read and share your news so message the happy half on Instagram or Heather J Conda on Twitter and next week I have a very timely guest so get ready for that and tune in next Monday for more happy news In the meantime, I hope you have a lovely week and the sun remains shining. Bye for now.